This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted as always to be joining you here today. Coming up later in this episode, we are going to be speaking with my husband, Lawrence Lerman. You know, it's so if you hang out with me on Patreon, then you have probably heard uh, the the bonus podcast that Lawrence and I do over on Patreon. Uh, but I'm guessing that most of you, although you have read about Lawrence, um, almost certainly in Homer's Odyssey and possibly also in my books, My Life in a Cat House and Spray Anything, unless you've met him in person at one of my readings, you have never heard or heard him speak or seen him in real life. And and so I thought it might be fun to bring him on the podcast. And, you know, so in the bonus podcast we do, Lawrence and I just just kind of talk about our lives and, and stuff that's going on with us in our personal lives. Uh, but today on the podcast, we're actually going to be talking about the books. And Lawrence is going to talk a little bit about what it feels like to be married to someone who keeps making you a character in the book's that they write. And I, I actually have no idea what that feels like. I'm I'm not sure how I would feel about it if I were in Lawrence's place. Of course, I think that everything that I write about Lawrence, while accurate, is is also very kind and and at a minimum inoffensive. Um, I, I certainly do not write with any in, intention of making him, you know, look less than like the amazing guy I happen to think he is. But we will hear from him and see what he thinks about all that, which should be very interesting. Uh, But before we do that, I'm going to be answering a question from reader Eileen Kaiser. Eileen, thanks so much for submitting a question to be answered in this week's show. And again, if you would like to submit a question or comment for me to respond to on this show and hear yourself name checked on a future episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper, Head on over to my website right now, GwenCooper.com, and you can either hit the contact form and send me an email that way, or you can go to the podcast page on my website, the, the page that is actually dedicated to this podcast, and leave a comment there. And if you look through the comments, you will see that I do read and respond, at least in writing, to every single comment that is left there, and will uh, will happily respond to yours as well. And also, I don't know if everybody knows this, and, and I know I've mentioned it at various times, but you can actually get a free copy of a new book about Homer the Blind Wonder Cat by going over to my website and joining my mailing list. If you're already on my mailing list and you're hearing this and you're saying, well, that's not fair. Where's my free book? You can also download the free book. You you would have to rejoin my mailing list. It really doesn't affect anything. Um, But this is open. The offer is open to you as well. It's basically it's open to everybody. So go to my um, my website, my mailing list, my website, 
and and check it out. And it should be pretty self-explanatory. You just click a button and you get the instructions on on how to download your free book. And it's all very simple. And I hope some of you guys will decide to check that out. Um, you know, but before I even move into the question that I'm going to be answering today, and, and I'm wondering if this has happened to any of you, uh, because I, I, I think, and I'm not even sure how to put this, I think one of my cats is trying to cancel me. I, I think she's like boycotting me or something. And and of course, I am referring to Fanny. Uh, you know, Clayton is is uh, is is my my little shadow. Clayton is, is almost always he's not with me right now, actually, which is sort of unusual. But he is almost always with me, and and he loves to hang out. He's a very needy little cat, and and we like needy cats here in this house. Uh, Fanny is a little bit less so, she, but she is very affectionate usually, usually. But I've gotten the distinct impression over the last few days that that maybe she's like a little bit over me or she she only likes me when I'm very quiet and very still. Um, so, you know, Fanny likes to hang out in our bedroom for most of the day. You know, at night she's running around doing her Fanny thing. But during the day, the master bedroom bed is where she likes to spend about 90% of her time. Uh, the master bedroom, especially in these days, in these pandemic days that have been upon us, is also where I have, you know, it's it's a large room. So it's where I have my my little home gym set up, you know, my, my rowing machine and my yoga mat and my little weights and things. And, and it, th- this makes it sound, by the way, like I'm super into working out. And I can assure you that that is not the case. So So, but that's where I have everything set up. And it's also where I do, like, if I'm doing a Zoom, whether it's for business or or just to, to chat with friends or, or doing a video chat with, um, you know, for, for Patreon, for, for the patrons who, who get my monthly video chat as, as one of their perks, Th- that's where I do it. I do it in all of this in the master bedroom, and which didn't used to be such a big deal. But Fanny now, anytime if I mean, if I'm doing push-ups, and, and again, I want to emphasize that when I say doing push-ups, I do them from my knees. And I do, you know, maybe 10 to 15 at a time. It's I, I, I'm not like pumping iron or, or anything, <laughs> anything remotely close to that. But you know, if I'm doing push-ups, Fanny leaves the room. If if I'm zooming, whereas Fanny used to kind of hang out on the bed, she she gets up and leaves. I I, I came into and again, as you guys know, I, I record this podcast in my bedroom closet, and there's a door to the closet. Uh, you know, just like a regular door, and uh, not a sliding door, but a door that that opens out and and closes in. And so I came in here and I was testing the equipment and just making sure, you know, check check. Making sure I could hear myself, and I, I kid you not, Fanny came and got up on her hind legs from from outside the closet and slammed the closet door shut. And when I went out to see what was going on, she was curled up, sleeping on the bed, you know, curled up on the bed, and she gave me this look like, "Quiet, you." And um, so I think she's letting me know that that she may, maybe we finally reached that point in quarantine. Where Fanny is over it, she she's had enough. She she's ready for me to go back to the gym and meeting up with people outside of the house. Uh, I I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint her in that I I don't foresee recording the podcast anywhere but here, at least not anytime in the near future. Um, but but I I think that's where we are. I think I think Fanny's is a little bit over me. I think she's a little bit tired of of spending so much time with me. Um, or, or again, she's very, very happy to be with me and to curl up in my lap and to snuggle up with me, but it, only if I'm being quiet and sitting still. 
She she really just seems to to take it amiss if I am doing anything else. And um, so, yeah, I, I you know, uh, you read stories, you read articles about the different ways that, that animals have reacted to, to quarantine. And, and some pets have been delighted to have more human companionship and, and some not so much. And I'm wondering if, if Fanny just feels like like it's all gotten to be a little bit too much for her. I don't know. I guess the good news for her is that things are, are starting to open back up, at least here in the States. And uh, and soon she won't have Gwen Cooper to kick around anymore, at least not as often as she has been forced to do. Anyway, uh, again, I would love to hear from you guys if you have any um, My Cat is So Into Me Now or My Cat is So Over Me Now pandemic stories to share. Please feel free to hit my my website. And I'm always, you know, so I'm going to start interviewing more readers on the show. In addition to authors and and more well-known people, I'm also going to start mixing in um, interviews with with readers. And so always looking for for interesting stories and and rescue stories, especially uh, rescue work and things like that to chat about. So yeah, feel free to hit me up with anything like that that you might feel like sharing. But before we get to our conversation today with Lawrence, I do want to answer Eileen Kaiser's question. And so Eileen's question is about my first book, Diary of a South Beach Party Girl. And and some of you may be surprised to hear that Homer's Odyssey was not my first book. But in fact, I did have a book that was published two years before Homer's Odyssey. It's called Diary of a South Beach Party Girl. It is my only book that has no cats in it. There are no cats at all in that book. And uh, I know that some of you have have read it, and and it's always a, a kick and a pleasure for me to hear from you guys about it. But Eileen wants to know how much of that novel is autobiographical, and and that is a question that I hear frequently. And in case you were not able to infer as much from the title, Diary of a South Beach Party Girl, you know, so so this was my 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 homage to to the sex and celebrities and drugs and 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 all of that that great decadent uh, scandalous stuff that made up the bulk of everyday life in South Beach in the late 90s when I was living there. And so of course the the question that I and and the the no, it, it is a novel so which means that it's a work of fiction and the main character Rachel uh, gets into, you know, moves to South Beach from a more conservative part of Miami where she's grown up and is kind of thrown into this very heady mix of of nightlife and and drama and, and intrigue and gets into all kinds of trouble. Uh, most of it fun, some of it a little a little nerve wracking. And so and the character of Rachel intentionally very closely resembles me just in terms of her everything from her physical description to her personality. And so it, of course, very naturally leads to the question, all right, how much of this is true? How much of all of this this scandal and decadence are that that Rachel experiences and participates in are things that you yourself actually did? And I you know, I don't want to be coy on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm just one of those authors. I, I don't like to, especially with a work of fiction, you know, memoir is a different thing because that's me as an author saying, here is a true story and this is how it really happened. And, you know, so the nature of fiction is it's always some combination of imagination, but also things that you know about in real life. Even if you're writing a, a work of fantasy, chances are that your characters are in some way 
based on people who you knew in real life. And so I never like to do that thing as an author where I'm telling the reader, here's what you should think. Here's everything that's true. Here's everything that's not true. I, I you know, I like for I, I think that once a work is published, the the right of interpretation belongs to the reader. And I don't like to tell people how to think about it. Uh, but here, you know, having said that, I, I, of course, I will in good faith undertake to answer the question. And so what I would say is, in, and I don't know if you've read this book, it is a super fun summer read as we are heading into to, to beach reading season. If you can find a copy of the book, um, it, it's definitely a very different kind of read than my cat-centric stuff. But I, I think it will make, I think you will enjoy it by the poolside or on the beach this summer for sure. Uh, just a little plug, I guess, from my earlier work. Um, but if you read the book, you know, you'll notice some obvious differences right off the bat between Diary of a South Beach Party Girl and Homer's Odyssey, which is a memoir. And for starters, of course, Rachel in the novel does not have cats. Also, at no point does she move back in with her parents. So while I guess I could hypothetically have stayed out all night and and come home really, you know, drunk or, or high on drugs or whatever while living with my parents. I mean, you know, I was in my 20s. They, they didn't like give me a curfew or anything like that. Um, but by the second, the same token, when you're living with your parents, you, of course, or at least if you're me, you try to be somewhat respectful and keep reasonable hours or let them know ahead of time if you're not you know, if you're going to be home late or maybe you're, you're staying at a friend's house or, or something like that and, and just generally be respectful. And so right off the bat, right there, there's only so much kind of crazy nightlife carousing one can do when one is also living with one's parents. So, so that is one of the main differences. And I would say overall, um, really the big difference is Rachel, you know, gets to be, I mean, maybe more adventurous is the wrong word. Rachel is certainly more daring than I was. And Rachel gets into all kinds of trouble and does a lot of of things for the sake of making the story more interesting, um, some of which I I didn't actually do myself, or maybe I did do them, but they weren't as dramatic or or didn't go as far as some things go for Rachel. You know, again, it's she's a character in a novel. Things have to happen. You, you you want a certain amount of excitement, and while my life is always very interesting to me, I I don't know that the truth of it would be very interesting to many other people. And in fact, one of the most frequent criticisms of Homer's Odyssey that I hear is it's a great book. I love it. I love the cat. When the author is talking about her personal life, that's when it gets a little dull for me. So that that should be your tip, your best tip off, I guess. Um, if it seems like really exciting and juicy and Rachel's doing it, then I probably didn't in real life um, because uh, the, the consensus <laughs> seems to be that that my real life is, is boring uh, for other people. Although, again, I, I will emphasize it remains very interesting to me. Um, I, I think I read someplace once, I, I forget it, but it's true. Boring people are, are never boring to themselves. They're only boring to other people. And and so I guess we all fall into that trap, right? So my life is of a great deal of interest to me, probably not very interesting on its own to very many people. So Rachel, for the sake of of being part of a story that would be interesting to a lot of people, uh, gets to do some more exciting things than I did. Uh, but the other question Eileen asks is, so Rachel has a best friend in the novel named Ricky, and, and Eileen wants to know if, if Ricky is based on a real person. And and yes, Ricky is based in real life uh, on on my, my South Beach best friend, Tony Miros. 
who still he lives in L.A. now and is uh, working in casting over at MGM. And and yeah, and, you know, we, we are still in touch and and just one of my dear friends. And, and so I, I mean, thinks Ricky sounds like a great and fun friend. And he absolutely was uh, just, you know, one of those friends who, who really changes your life. I can honestly say that even aside from being a good friend, Tony was a life changing friend for me. I'm not even sure if Tony listens to this podcast, but Tony, if you're listening, I, uh, I still love you, babe. And on that note, we are going to take a very short break of only about 30 seconds or so. And when we come back, we will be talking to my husband and one of the world's truly great cat dudes, Lawrence Lerman. So sit back, get comfortable and stick around for more Curl Up with a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. I am delighted to introduce today's guest to you. Uh, he is actually in, in his own right. You, Many of you or most of you have probably read a little something about this guy. Uh, he is a distinguished film journalist who, over the course of his career, has interviewed just about every significant living director of film working today, at least within the United States. And he was an editor at Variety for well over a decade. I am thrilled and honored to be able to call him my husband and to welcome him as our guest today. Please join me in extending a warm curl up with a cattail welcome to Lawrence Lerman. Thrilled and honored. <laughs> yeah, thrilled and honored. <laughs> Honey, I'm thrilled and honored to call you my husband as well, if you want to play. <laughs> Thank you for such a nice introduction. I you know you said you were going to introduce me. I I I feel like it's my my lifetime achievement award or something like that. I mean You know, I I like people to feel when they're listening to this show that they're listening to something that's worth their time. So I give everybody a big build up. You know, I'm I'm not going to introduce you and and here's a guy who almost never remembers to put the toilet seat down. Please join me in welcoming Lawrence Lermit. Uh Ixnay on the on the toilet uh say. I didn't think we were going to eat. You said there's going to be no personal material in this. Uh, you know, is that really personal though? Talked about. Isn't that every woman's lament though? Well, the the eternal lament of the toilet seat. And honestly, all kidding aside, who cares the what position lament. the toilet seat oh, is is in? Like you Lift it up or you put it down. That, that's why it adjusts. You're already spiraling into marital stuff already? It's like 45 <laughs> no. seconds in. I, I, you're, I, you're, I, you're right. I, I can only blame you for this having happened, and I, but I forgive you. Well, I and, thank you for, um, for, for inviting me to be on, on the podcast. I, you know, we, do, we do some for your, uh, your bonus podcasts every month, and uh, I'm thrilled to be doing you know, one for everyone else. Thank that is correct. Me, and, and, and so I think it's worth saying... Um, that that we do we we have a bonus podcast for for our supporters on Patreon, and once again, if you would like to hear that bonus podcast, you can find it at patreon.com slash Gwen Cooper. Uh, so we have that biweekly podcast, but I thought it would be fun to bring you on onto the to the main show, as it were, um, because I'm assuming that just about everybody listening has read at least one of my books in which you are a, let's say, supporting character. A supporting and, character. 
Okay. Yeah. And, and I remember in Homer's Honesty actually talking quite a bit about your voice and, and how great I thought your voice was. Although, you know, noting that it did it did scare Homer a little bit at first. You you have this this deep, booming voice. Yes, and, I remember those days. And, and yes, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the deep, booming voice of God coming from somewhere well, above him. <laughs> And starring as the voice of God was one of my earliest credits, actually. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, back, back in the day, uh, that and my sort of heavy treading down the long hallway we used to have was sort of, uh, he did do that that crouch and ready to pounce, but wasn't sure what he was going to pounce on, I remember. You know, I, I think it's actually worth noting that Clayton is also a little afraid. Both Clayton and Fanny are, are, st- are still a little afraid of your heavy tread. I wonder what, what it, is it about the way you walk that frightens cats? I don't. Well, maybe it's my it's my manly weight or something, but I do have a I don't have an, an insanely heavy tread. But, because uh, I always see Clayton and Fanny. They hear you coming and, and they're like halfway into a leap of panic. And then they see you and they're like, oh, it's just Lawrence. And they settle well, down. I, I don't maybe maybe they're thinking to themselves, well, the fun is over. Like sort of like when the light <laughs> when the lights go on in a nightclub at the end of the night. Like you, you can you can keep the night going, but you can't do it here. Or like when uh, a dad shows up to bust a party, you know, like, like you're having the party because your parents aren't home. But then all of a sudden your dad walks in and it's like, oh, man, now the party's over. Well, we had discussed when those cats have those parties, there's just cat toys all over the place. And I, I'm not going to take this every day. So, you know, I, I, I do have actual <laughs> I have actual questions that, that I want to ask you. Um, but I do on, on that note, and, and I'm going to launch into them. But I think it's worth noting people listening to this show for, for some time know that I record in my closet. And that is because it is it is essentially the only soundproofable space in our lovely home with its very high ceilings and hard floors and generally echoey surfaces. And Fanny really does think of the deep, dark corners of this closet as her personal sanctuary. And so when I came in just now to start recording, she gave me such a filthy look before slinking out. <laughs> like, like she let it definitely let it be known that she was missed put out. She was quite put out, put out by my by my invading her sanctuary with my noisiness and, and talkativeness. And well, I think it's funny. That's the reaction. That, that, that's the first thing you would say when we talk when you talk about recording the podcast or at least recording the ones with me. I tell people that I appear on your on your bonus podcast once or twice a month. And they they oh, that must be fun, is the general comment from people that aren't necessarily podcast people or media people. Like, how do you do it? I said, well, Gwen goes into her closet <laughs> and, and 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 we set up a Zoom audio thing. And I go into the the the, the workroom, you know, bonus bedroom office, and I talk to her from there. So you don't do it in the same room. And I say, no. Well, why wouldn't you want to do it together? And I try to remind them. You know, we're together. We both work at home. We're together all the time. It's not. Oh, so you bad love see. saying that. <laughs> I see. I from, love to say, it, but it's true. From my you, perspective, you over the- well, no. From my perspective, the reason why we're not both in my closet doing this in you know together in the same room is because while it is a large enough closet to accommodate, you know, let's say a desk and some recording well, equipment and a computer, yeah, it's not really big enough for two people. I, I mean, or I guess it would be if there weren't other stuff. It is still a functioning closet. It's not just. A space for recording. Well, I think and- they see it more as like you know we're like the sophisticados who huddle over one uh, one microphone and like they do our duops together for the lead singer. And I, um, I what's what's not like what's a, that. What's a sophisticado? And, you know, like I- the, like those cool couples that do one of those like you know uptown dining things, like in uh 
Like in what's the movie that you love? Like radio, in radio days. days. Yes. That, 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 that hoity toity couple. Ixnay and the Odi Way Allen A. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I can't tell what you're saying. But, uh, what um, I'm saying is that let's, you, let's, you, let's not get into controversial subjects like Woody Allen and, and his oeuvre at the moment. Okay, we'll do we'll do we'll do a show, a show on that next week. Perfect. R- regardless, moving right. ahead though. Well, uh, let, let's so let's get back on track because I do actually again keeping in mind that that just about everybody who's listening to this will have read something about you prior to coming into this interview. So so here's what I wanted to ask. I, it does require a little bit of a setup, so bear with me. Um, I'm bearing. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, when I first sat down to write Homer's Odyssey, I always knew that it was going to be a book that began with a breakup and ended with a wedding. Those were the narrative goalposts, I always like to say. And so the story in the book was going to be the journey between those two goalposts. And obviously a big part of that was going to be our relationship, our meeting, our falling in love. And, you know, it was not going to be a book about our relationship. It was not going to be an excavation of our relationship or of your character. You were essentially there for me to fall in love with you. And for you to fall in love with the cats. And so that being the case. A role I played to the, to a T, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yes, you did. And so that being the case, it really never occurred to me at the time whether or not I should ask you for permission or show you things as I was writing them. You know, my view of the book, it, again, it was, it, was mo- it was still ultimately a book about my relationship with Homer. And in that sense, you were essentially a supporting character. And I knew that I wasn't going to be getting into anything that could be touchy or sensitive. It did not, I did not think that I would write anything about you that you would read and say, hey, that's, I'm not like that or, or find offensive in any way. And, you know, and, and I viewed the writing of the book as something very positive that I was doing. It was work that I was doing for our life together, you know, just like you support our life together with the work that you do. Mm-hmm. But having said that, it's now some 13 years later and, and you have gone on to be a, a character of, of greater or lesser importance in, in a number of books that I have written. And, you know, I know the people listening to you now, it's, it's sort of like, like, like the real life version of this character that they've read. But I just, you know, there's a part of me now when it's obviously far too late to do anything about it, but that wonders, you know, on the one hand, writers can't write if they can't write the people in their lives. And yet, Part of me wonders if it's ever an okay thing to do, especially without explicit permission. And and I don't know. And obviously, readers, there are readers who have loved you and have told you so in person or in writing over the years. There are readers who did not like you at all. They did not like the fact that you were not initially a cat person. And even though you did ultimately become a cat guy, they they never really forgave you for those initial feelings of not wanting cats in the bedroom or maybe not being sure you wanted to live with three cats. So, I mean, it's a lot of different things, but I'm just wondering, you know, it's not, an exp- I've never been a character in somebody else's book and, and you have, and I'm just wondering how you feel about that or what that's been like for you. Well, for starters, and, when and, I say and let for me starters, say, I'm sorry. And before you answer, I will say, this is not something we have ever talked about. This is the first time we are having this conversation as a married couple. So he, here in front of an audience. It's, it's is that, that's true. We have, I mean, like there have been comments made back and forth over the years about it. But first, let me, let me, let me give you my qualification on something you said earlier about a writer needing, you know, the people around him, you know, as to, to fuel the characters in their books. The kind of books you write for, for the, you know, the majority of them 
are of, of a memoir sort of nature. And that's a whole different thing than the, than the fiction books that you've written that, um, I mean, you know, you snatch things from all around you, but those are not, you know, your friends and your family. I mean, you may take some, some, so I think that your, your using of, of, of my personality in your memoir is a completely legitimate and healthy thing to do based on, on the kind of writing that you're doing and on the kind of story that you're telling. And when you were first telling me that you wanted to write about Homer and your adventures with Homer, um, highlighted by your earlier life in Florida and then coming to New York and then w- w- meeting me and uh, which was, I guess the last third of the book where I, where I rear my head. Um, it all made complete sense to as me. a mythological monster rising from the deep. <laughs> well, we, I like it when you call me the Medusa. That's also fun. Or the Kraken. Um, the Kraken, yes. <laughs> but uh, that would be the one that rises from the deep. But it all sounded very logical. No, we haven't talked about this, you know, as a married couple, but you did tell me what you were planning on doing and 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 the book you want. And I was all for it. And it, and it just sounded like such a logical sequence of events in telling the story of you and your relationship with Homer. Um, And I was a major part of that up until that point that it's continued since then that you a decade plus later, um, the story continues and, and, and you're doing it in different, different kinds of media and, and you've done it in comic book form and in short stories and in blog posts and in, and in, books, uh, memoirs, that makes it all the more impressive. And it sort of traverses the decade and and lives on. So I have, I have two follow-up questions from that. Um, so my first question and, and I'm just gonna ask them both and you can answer whichever one you like. Um, but the first or whichever one you would like to first, but the first question I would have is, did I ever write anything? You know, I try very hard to stay on the right side of of telling a full story and making people who who read the things that I write feel like they are involved personally in our lives and yet not compromising our privacy in any deep or profound way. And so my first question would be, in your opinion, have I ever been on the wrong side of that? My second question would be that much like, you know, sometimes when you see a picture of yourself or you hear a recording of your voice and you're like, oh my God, do I really sound like that? Do I really look like that? And it's even though you know that the certainly the camera has no personal agenda, like that's what you look like. And, but it can still be a, a weird or uncomfortable experience. And was there ever, you have never said anything to me like, I would prefer you didn't say that, or do you really think this about me? Or is this how I really sound or whatever? But have you ever read anything that I've written about you and said, that doesn't really feel like me. Is, is, is that how she really sees me? Or, or is that how she thinks the cats really see me or, you know, whatever. <laughs> is that how I think they were? Is that how I think, that how I think the, the cats, cats really, <laughs> but you know what I mean? If you ever read and say, I don't recognize, there's nothing wrong or offensive about this per se, but I don't really feel like I recognize myself in this description. I would have to say, honestly, and I'm thinking hard, I would say, no, there was never anything that I didn't uh, buy what you were saying or didn't believe that it was true or that your perception wasn't accurate of uh, uh, when you were talking about our meeting and our, and our and our friendship turning into a romance. I would say no. However, I will say that as there's always say, a however. Well, it was it, I was not prepared. Like you said, you know, whoa, is that my voice? Is that my story? I, 
you know, it sounds all great in theory. And then when you start reading about it, and then I met this guy, he was really nice. He had another girlfriend, but uh, we became good friends, things like that. Well, all of a sudden you really are reading about, you know, yourself. I don't think there's anyone that is not in the, the, the media stream or in that line of business. Maybe people of my generation, let's say, are not prepared to, to you know, are, are prepared to hear to read about themselves that blatantly and that and that you're a part of someone else's story. Like, I guess that's I true too. I would say, you know, I mean, for, for like, let's say my millennial or even Gen Z listeners who may be out there, you know, also keep in mind that those of us who are Gen X uh, and, and I guess you are, you hover or somewhere older. between or, or, or older. I think you're, Technically, borderline, right? I or think you're, you're, you, you, yeah, you tread right on the cusp between Boomer and Gen X. We'll call you Gen X. Okay. Um, but those of us who are Gen X and older, let's say, did we grew up with a certain zone of personal privacy? We we were not all putting our pictures and and stories out there on the web for public consumption, um, or on apps, or you know, we we did not have Instagram and Facebook and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. <laughs> and so we're not necessarily raised from a young age with the expectation that the public would see some exterior version of, of ourselves and and come to independent opinions perhaps never even having met us not even close right um, and and i mean not like it wasn't even an idea that would have occurred to anyone and which i think makes it as you know odd in a way that maybe if you're a little bit younger uh, that might be a pre- difficult to appreciate how weird it it might be to have this version of you floating around out there in the ether that you have you know no real control over yeah actually that being said I will say that those for those years after Homer was published, what that was that was like the fall of of two thousand and nine. Is that when it, Homer was published? Yes, it was August two thousand nine. And that year, going up through, I think the release of Love Saves the Day, um, we did. Uh, you did a lot of touring around the country and uh, and some overseas, and I joined you on a number of those trips. And th- being being there as you were being so well received these big audiences that various shelters and stores and bookstores and festivals and watching you sign and having you introducing me in the audience and having people wanting to take, I would love to have Lawrence in the picture with you. And can we have a friend take a picture of me with the two of you that actually threw me off more than the reading, which I guess I had more time to take in and knew it was coming. I was, I found it surprising that people wanted I don't want to. I don't want to sound coy, but you want my picture. I'm. 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 I'm the husband. I'm. The, I drive. Well, I, I and sure. and I do want to. And I actually do want to get to reader reactions to you, both at the positive and negative side. But I do want to add one point that I don't think anybody but me appreciates. Like literally, no one in the world appreciates this about you except for me. And I think it's worth mentioning. You have been to. I don't even know how many readings that I've done. You have heard me read the same. Let's say two to three sections of a book. I don't even know how many times you have stood in the back of rooms listening to me answer similar questions. You know, there, 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 some questions are, are very individual and unique, but there's obviously a similarity that happens over enough readings. You, I mean, you basically followed me around the country and stood in the backs of rooms listening to me read, listening to me answer questions. I, I truly, and this is true, I, I don't even know how many times over a period of of more than 10 years you never seem to get tired of it you you never I, seem irritated you stand in the back right. of the room and beam with me with such pride and it's not i'm not even going to say how many women have a husband who would do that because i swear to you in the reverse situation i would be so proud of you as a best selling author 
I honestly still don't know if I'd have it in me to stand in the back of a room <laughs> and listen to you read the same things over and over I and answer you, the same questions for 10 years. You would like it more than you, you suspect. I'm telling you, it is <laughs> it is a great feeling. First I mean, all, I see the look on fresh. your face. You are, oh, I mean, really, the look, when you don't even realize anyone's looking at you, you are beaming with pride. It, it well, just knocks just me great. out. Oh, it's so great. First of all, you, you, you're a great public reader. Um, I don't want to say that the reading is almost like the quickest part, but you do your reading. The reading is actually probably never more than 10 minutes, let's say. 10 or 15. I, mean, I, I try and I don't want to test yeah. people's patience, you know, with, with um, like something too scripted. Well, we'll talk about that later on because I'm, <laughs> I'm climbing the walls right now. But um, you, oh, you're such a great reader. Um, you're not always reading the exact same thing. I guess when you were doing uh, specific tours, you were. But just seeing the people and the reactions, and yeah, you get a lot of the same questions, but you're so comfortable in front of these people who are obvious fans. And and I think back to those first couple years, uh, some of the readings, even prior to Homer, when you did some reading about on here and on the West Coast for uh, Diary, Diary of, of the South Beach, Beach Party, Party Girl. Girl. Which I talked about I, earlier I remember, in today's podcast, actually. But yeah, we had some great times and and we've met people. Well, you have met people and I have, I've, I've had like acquaintances and friends that I've met through my work and sometimes just regular friends come to these readings and we have great nights with them. And but that's even a different thing. But like, look again, in the reverse situation, let's say you wrote a book about film and it was a huge hit and you were traveling. All, I would love to travel all over the place and, and hang out with people and, and our friends who live in different places or making new friends or, or meeting interesting people, but just the specific standing in the back of a room, listening to you read the same section of a book and then standing off to the side while you spent an hour signing books after having spent an hour answering questions and and doing that over and over and over again over a period of years again i think there are very few husbands who could legitimately enjoy it i mean who would who would even have trouble tolerating it and i don't even know that it's just a husband thing i think it's a spouse thing in general i think it would be difficult i honestly i i can't i, I cannot speak for the others i can speak for myself <laughs> i cannot tell you what a what a, a never-ending pleasure it is. All right. Maybe I don't want to go on Super Bowl Sunday to, to, to watch you. Okay. There's an example right there. I don't know if I want so, to. Do so, that. in other words, my, my, my important sports dates tour, book tour is not something that yeah, you're going to co-sign. Let's put that on the back burner for now. I, I mean, but, I'm thinking uh, like, like the NCAA playoffs, maybe um, World Series, Super Bowl, you know, coming up with dates around those events. I, and I there, there is was... something to be said about watching, you know, one of the counter you know, programming. Your, yeah, counter exactly. Well, maybe we should do it at the counter. Um, watching, you know, watching your 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 partner and your loved one having such a degree of success and clearly enjoying what you were doing, and the people are enjoying it. It really is. I really never thought that deeply about this. It was always just such a gimme. Those were great days. Those trips. I I know a lot of them. You know, sort of ran aground with with the pandemic, and and you haven't done live readings in quite a while. Um, no, and, um, and I miss it. I, I really do miss it. I miss going so, so much. And, and I, I miss, mean, and they are great trips. They are really fun days. And we have met some really amazing everyone. people. Yeah. And like you said, we have, we've met so many good friends there and, and, and th that have become friends for years now. I mean, like years long friends and, uh, yeah, it's it really true. is a pleasure. That was a, that was a, like I said, that was a stronger reaction to me. I mean, when the book, when Homer came out and it was such an instant success and the success was growing and we were getting all these international sales, it was being published in other languages. Uh, that was great. But 
it wasn't like the the pure pleasure of just seeing you in front of a crowd and seeing how excited people were to speak to you after and you always like to talk to the people after and watching them get online and have you sign. And then when you started doing the Homer shirts, seeing people coming in their Homer shirts was, <laughs> was really such a buzz. That was, was great so- for me. I mean, that was, you know, I think one of those moments where I really visually understood how much Homer independently of me meant to other people, which sort of brings us back to the idea. And I did want to ask you about this, but this idea as a writer, especially when you're writing a memoir. So, so you write your story and then it goes out there and it takes on a life of its own. And, and the the characters in your book are actual real people or, or in the case of Homer, you know, people and cats. Mm -hmm. And, and so people, you know, readers, form their own opinions and, and, and come to independently to, to feel, you know, so I've heard from so many people who said that, that they love Homer, like he was their own cat. They, they feel like they really knew Homer and he, he's a, a real and ongoing part of their lives. And, and this really at this point is just so independently, it's something that's so independent of me. And similarly, there is also this version of you. I know you have met people over the years who, who have, loved what they have read about you and and have told you so and and have really admired what they have read of your character in the books there have also been people who have sent us emails or or written reviews on Amazon and Goodreads who and by the way there are people also out there who've written reviews on Amazon or Goodreads or send me emails who don't like me it's it this is not this is not a, a phenomenon listed to you. Pretty much the only one who gets away unscathed is Homer. <laughs> Everybody for, loves Homer. Thank you for those that just that, that, that don't only solely hate me. Right, thank right. Everybody loves Homer. The rest of us are fair game. Um, but you, but you, over the years that you have heard from people, or I have, I guess you've heard because I've shown you the emails, but there have been people. Yeah, well, I've heard when I hear you, oh my God, and I run downstairs, well, look at this awful email I just received. Um, but who've also written, you know, Amazon reviews and things who who didn't like you. And I can honestly say that the people who I have heard from or whose reviews I've read who didn't like me, I, it's not, I don't say it out of bravado when I say it, it doesn't really bother me. Only because the overwhelming majority of reactions to the book have just been so positive. Yeah. Um, I think of them as like Yelp reviews. You can read the review of a great restaurant. There are 10 raves. And then all of a sudden, there's one guy who was the worst dining experience right. of his life. <laughs> you know, people uh, like, say like, how, how does this guy fit in here? Why is there? I mean, every like, like I don't understand. Is it really the worst book? You, I'm not even talking about my book. I, I see this all the like time. That, right? I mean, like, I've never read a book. Really? Like, it's the worst <laughs> book you ever read. I, I just sometimes, you know, and I feel this, like when somebody says that Homer's Odyssey is the best book they ever read, I part my initial response is, well, you must have lived a very sheltered life. I in, in the average week I read. It's 10 also books. the second book I've ever read. I, think I was going to say in, in the average week I personally read ten books that are better than Homer's Odyssey. But by the same token, when somebody says it's the worst book they've ever read, I'm like, oh come on now, really, really? Because yeah. I've also, you know, read set. But anyway, that that's getting off into a separate. <laughs> and, and that's more in delving into my psychology, which perhaps we don't. Uh, you know, long, long, bitter nights spent. I mean, obviously, you're, you're going to have reviews. negative stuff. <laughs> I think the over the top, the pile on, and I, I think that's part of the whole sense of anonymity on the internet. The, 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 those that really just love to go to the excuse, never had a worst meal, never read a worst book, worst spy movie I've ever seen. I think that that is something that came again with this, the, with, with the internet online generation. I think, well, people, I think people think their review won't get any attention if they don't put it in those kind of really strident. 
emphatic terms. Maybe they should just write in bold with exclamation points if they're looking for some sort of reaction. I mean, they're just, you know, the world is, is, there are so few, it's amazing how many three-star averages there are while being very few three-star actual reviews. You know, like like the (laughs) three-star is one of average. Yeah, yeah. Five or one. Oh, I love the reviews. <laughs> so they say, if I could leave zero stars, I would. I would, yes. <laughs> one of my favorite comments. <laughs> I want an astronomer to say that. If I could leave zero stars, well, that really would make you an astronomer with no stars, would it? Now, um, yeah. No, but really, no, people, I love that. People are, I, are deeply could, resentful that they have to give at least one star. They, I love that. Like, if I could, why won't I? Why am I not allowed to leave zero stars? They well, you know what I love are the people who leave one or one or two star, you know, two star reviews of Homer's Honesty saying, "I don't really like books about cats." And then, then why? Oh, I love dude, that. Why are you reading this? Like, like, I don't like westerns, so I don't read them. Yeah, I mean, it, it works out well for me and for the authors right. of the Westerns who don't have to live with my <laughs> negative reviews. <laughs> I'm leaving this star because I like the picture on the front. I like like you now they're, quali- they're qualifying why they're leaving. And another star for the good print. I like the way it was printed. I like that Times Roman font. Another star. Um, um, I don't, it is remarkable. <laughs> I, I actually do like Times New Roman, and, and if I ever saw it, I love I, Times Roman. That's why I, 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 I would fun. probably leave an extra star. Um, but we can we can probably you know move, move off of the the cat thing now. Except I I do want to add um, that I really do want to emphasize how very you know and the nature of writing a memoir is that you can end up even without meaning to exaggerating things, or for no other reason than because they're the things you're focusing. On so they take on sometimes even more importance in a memoir they they do in your real life just because you're also not including all the time you spent you know waiting in line at the drugstore or or driving to the dry cleaners to to pick up your your clothes and the other ten thousand things you also did that same day <laughs> maybe that's why they didn't buy my memoir it, it, it was called a day at the dry cleaner but if only you had told me earlier but I I do want to say how I really do not think there's any exaggeration. Uh, in the way that I depicted the relationship that you had with Vashti or, or how deeply the two of you fell in love with each other. And what an amazing thing that was. I mean, especially because Vashti, who had such a big heart, but was also so in her own way, she was never the, the fighter. She was willing to let Homer and Scarlett, you know, muscle their way closer to me and, and into getting more attention. And she, she never competed in that. She was never the one to push anyone else aside. But man, you, the two of you, I mean, she got for the, the last third of her life. She just had you all to herself. And, and she was it a was remarkable such an amazing thing Vashti. to see. <laughs> she really was, uh, she really was uh, a, a, a special lady. I really can't come up with anything else. She, she, was, uh, she was proud and sweet and, and, and beautiful. The, uh, and the eternal gentle. feminine, you said. Yeah, that the was how you described feminine. her. The, the eternal, well, when, that when, that was how Lee Strasberg described Marilyn Monroe. Actually, yes. I think that's where I, I lifted that one from. Uh, now I have to pay the Strasbourg estate. But yeah, she <laughs> was the eternal feminine. And she really was. And she was uh, she was so scruffy looking in the earlier days. But as you like to point out, she really made a point to make herself look beautiful. Over oh, no, she was she was always beautiful. She was always a beautiful girl. But she, I mean, she, she slimmed. Gorgeous, but... she, she slimmed down and and, you know, started uh, taking slightly better care of her appearance, I think. 
you know, when uh, she was looking good and she was and she was a sweet one. Uh, those tufts of white hair all over the place. I didn't mind those little floaty pieces of white hair when she would get excited and, and, and run, run around and they'd be fleeing around. Which like is amazing because you like have an little, all black wardrobe. I mean, that's the year. So you I mean, you were the guy you always dress like a stagehand, right? You're always in all black. You're the man. I in always, black. Yeah, I was the original the man in black. black. The whole Lou Reed thing. Yeah. Lou Reed, Johnny, uh, Johnny Cash. That was my thing. Especially when thing. we were living now in New York. Now that we're there. Yeah, that was always. Now that, now that we're I suburbanites. Was, I mean, we're in all black in high school. <laughs> now, no, it's now. a whole different thing. There. Now it's a lot of plaids and khakis. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't right even. On um, in for the knaves. I couldn't even imagine you in plaid. I, I'm. I'm tr- <laughs> I haven't. I haven't worn plaid since high school. And like one I, of those uh, little tams on your head, you know, like like a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no! I have not. Uh, I was. Uh, I was. I was. I was. I was into the French New Wave filmmakers and Lou Reed in high school, and black was the way to go. So at least, at least, I at least I got it from a good source. But, well, um, I, I I love you in black, baby. No, I still. I'll try, I'll try to roll some out as we enter the the hottest time. Of the, the, the hottest time. I'll of try the to year. wear more black. Yeah, that, that's fine. More Actually, black. if you, I always think that that blue is your color because it brings out the blue of your eyes, and that really is true. You look great in blue. And and this is you know now I think we're drifting into things that honestly listeners probably are like ah. Oh. I'm so glad I listened. See, to that's the thing. I think the hour. listeners do like this. I think they do like this. I think you they know about you know, what like, the listeners I'm, like. I'm not. Oh God! I, the listeners are listening. <laughs> I mean, for starters, and uh, I wish I you could see how many like, people they, have actually they, tuned they, out by now. <laughs> people by, are like, well, and this amazing is amazing. We can't get that metric. <laughs> I'd love to read that metric, but they they get the catch, Dick, and you do it better than anyone, and they and they love it. But uh, you know, hey, I'm I'm the guy in the last third of the book. So, uh, so there you go. Well, well, guy from the last third of the book. <laughs> Didn't I read a third of a book about you? <laughs> Maybe it was a quarter. I don't know, but I remember. I remember my entrance. I did demand. I did demand the the, the dot dot dot. And here's Lawrence. I believe was da, the name da, of the da, da. Like that's Foshi yeah. always used to enter a room. I always thought like a like a late night talk show. Like a late night talk show. Name. And ladies and yeah. gentlemen, it's Vashti. She always had this like little trot, like like she like the way it, they, she would sit in the middle of the room. Well, now that we have officially hit the half hour mark, um, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to sort of trans segue us into into the end of this interview. And I do want to remind people, God help us all, if they want to hear more of this and, and here's talk about more personal stuff. You know, now we, we've really been talking about the book and, and the process of writing today, but we do have our bi-monthly, you know, two episodes a month of, of our bonus podcast for our Patreon supporters. And, and we actually talk a little bit more about our actual personal lives in that and uh, do a little bit of that, that, that bickering that everybody. <laughs> the, the fun heightened bickering. The, the fun that, heightened bickering. And what is it called? What is that bonus podcast called? It is called Lawrence Loves Gwen. And I am told that Lawrence loves Lawrence Loves Gwen. Lawrence and is, Lawrence is going to do his own new podcast called Lawrence Loves Lawrence Loves Gwen. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> And then you can do a follow up podcast to that, and we can just go on and on. Gwen loves Lawrence loves Lawrence loves Gwen. Yeah, that's uh, that. That then becomes the 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 the, the Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating its own tail. Um, <laughs> exactly. But uh, again, you can if mm. if God help us all, you want to hear more of this, you can head over to Patreon. Hey God, this was this is appealing. <laughs> they, 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 I'm telling you, this is appealing. I might actually listen. I to like this. One. this. I could walk I you. This was fine. I, I could walk I, you. I could walk you. I could walk you. That's your Saturday Night Fever impression. <laughs> That's I can walk you. That's my Travolta. So many so few people here. My <laughs> we definitely have a different philosophy. I, as a listener, I probably listen to maybe more podcasts than you. Generally, I have a, a <laughs> like a half dozen that I listen to generally, and um, 
they, they all have different appeals, but when they go off track a little and, and you get a little more of the I think maybe I'm, I think I'm going to do an all impressions episode one day. I'm, I'm going to have to work on some of my, you know, I, I'm not really known for my impressions, but maybe that could all change. Maybe all oh, the you've time. Got, you have some good ones. I won't, I won't hit you with telling you to do them now, but you have a handful. That are, I, that what, are, what good impressions do I do? I can't say it now. You, you're you're going to say, how could you? Later on, we're gonna, you're going to say, and good night, and you're going to hit the stop recording button and come in and yell at me. And I don't need that. But you do you, you do some, I mean, your Travolta right there was really good. Um, it was quite yeah. fine. I don't Travolta's, go mother. Other, you, Travolta's mother wouldn't know the difference. Um, <laughs> you do a handful of good impressions, though. I all right. Think, well, I believe you do. anyway, patreon.com slash Gwen Cooper, and Patreon is spelled P as in Peter, A-T as in Thomas, R-E-O, and as in Nancy, like the word patron with an E in the middle, patreon.com slash Gwen Cooper. That's where you can hear more of our bonus podcast episodes of, of Lawrence Loves Gwen. And um, and Lawrence, Lawrence Gwen. Mm. And, and we are actually going to go from here and record, or should we wait a few days? Maybe we should like let no. things settle and wait a few days. You know, now that we're a little um, talked out, we want to we want to keep it fresh for, for Lawrence. I'm not, I'm not talked out. I'm ready to go. Okay, wait. I have a three-word impression that you can do. Okay. You can say, you could do a, a little Joey Lauren Adams impression from your favorite scene <laughs> in the movie Days Been Confused. The she last called, words that she's... She called me a slut. That bitch. That bitch. That bitch. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I think that's that's great stuff. I think we should get Joey Lauren Adams <laughs> on. Lauren. You could do like do, dueling, dueling Adams. I should see. And, and let the listeners decide if they can tell the difference between the real Joey Lauren Adams and my impression of Joey Lauren Adams. Um, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Well, on that note, great stuff. Um, <laughs> Lawrence, thank you so much for, for being a guest on, on the oh, main you can, podcast. Of course, baby. This is grand. I've, uh, always, always. I am psyched to make, finally make it to the main room. I know the, that the, was the, main, the other one. The main room. The main room. I'm I'm thrilled to be talking to you at length about fun stuff. Always. It's, it's kind Anytime, of like getting baby. to play the palace in Las Vegas. Truly, as opposed to playing you know, <laughs> Bob's Jamboree down the block where you get to play you know, um, among the peanut shells and hey man, Lawrence Lawrence the bonus podcast, that's premium Oh, content. no, it's great. I know that the people love it, or so you tell me, and I have such a great time doing it. I, I hope more people get a chance to listen to it. It's, uh, it is fun stuff. And, um, as, as do I. We'll see. Good. And uh, and I look forward to seeing you in the hallway in a few minutes after we finish recording this. I'll meet you in the hallway. Okay, done. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks again for being here. And to everybody who's been listening, thanks so much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week on an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today. <laughs>